excited about giving? Amen. I see some are, some not so sure. Praise the Lord. Let me encourage you with the word of God. Whenever you get a chance, uh, try to study the book of Revelations, chapter 21. Verse 18, you're going to see a description of heaven. Uh, if I ask you how many of you want to go to heaven, I'm sure most of you will raise your hand. But what you don't often pay attention to is that in heaven, your God, my God, lives in luxury. God is not a poor God. And I don't know about you, if God is your father, then you are not to be poor. I've lost half of the church already. Because we are raised to think poverty, to think surviving. And so we never make progress. But I'm grateful for the word of God. It gives you a picture of what heaven looks like. He said that the walls are made of jasper. Make sure it's in your Bible. He said, where God lives, your daddy. He said, the streets are paved with gold. <laughs> the gates are made of pearl. See, make sure it's in your Bible. I don't make these things up. Now, I've, I, like many of you, I have raised some kids. The one thing my kids understand, what I have, they have. 
pick up anything in that house, whether they need to sleep in, whether they need to use an equipment, whether they need a ride, they don't have to come to me begging. They know that they are children of Mr. Dara. Now, if you know who you are in Christ, then you ought to know you have what we call access. Somebody shout access. I'm trying to position you for real change in your life. Every now and then I will pray and tell you your struggling days are over. So all I'm doing now is explain to you how you make the transition. All right? All of our giving, whether it's your tithes, whether it's your offering, whether it's your first fruit, or whatever you call it, the purpose of it is two things. To obey God what we call obedience, which birth blessing, and also to gain access because the devil build a wall. So in the spirit realm, you're not able to access the blessing. It belongs to you. You can see it. You can smell it but you couldn't get through. So we need to learn how to get through. In the game of football, those of you from New Orleans Saints, you can relate to this. It is frustrating when you can see the end soon, but you can't get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They can see, we call it the red zone, <laughs> but they can't get through. <laughs> oh, glory, you got all my New Orleans say, they go quiet, because they know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> How do you get through? Number one. You got to honor God with your substance. You got to honor God with your increase. I don't know that. I don't know your increase. I don't know your substance. I'm not the kind of pastor that's going to be tracking you down. I got to work my own soul salvation. But don't become envy. If I cross the red zone and make a touchdown, and don't say, well, I thought we were in the same church. I thought this guy came with nothing. I heard he was homeless. How could this be where freely I receive, freely I'm giving to you? Your tithes is not negotiable with God. In 
fact, God called it holy. I didn't say that. God said it. So if you choose not to honor God with your tithes, there's a column in life for poverty and for riches. And you decided to sign. Say, show me where I need to sign. <laughs> and you sign your name under poverty. That's your choice. That's what I'm going to be preaching about today. Choice. I'm hoping in this church that people will have enough common sense to choose Jesus and to choose wealth. Our people are struggling too much needlessly. We're waiting on the government to do it, but they cannot because your wealth True wealth don't come from man. It comes from God. And I want to share one more type of giving to somebody this morning. Not all of you are ready for this. I understand. But if you're in a situation, I've told you before, but many of you didn't get it. There's something called sacrificial giving. It's a sacrifice. Now that's when your back is against the wall. That's when you've tried everything else and no change. Let me give you some examples. It's a sickness or disease in the family. And you're giving it your best shot to go to the best of physicians. Some of you even tell me you go to Anderson. I say, who is Anderson? They told me there's somebody over there in Houston no matter what kind of cancer you got, Mr. Anderson can fix it. That's what they told me. Never met the man. I never met him. Maybe you're dealing with a relationship that you've tried everything to work it out. And you know you're knowing this relationship is dead. You'd be amazed. Some people are looking for a job. I never will forget. One brother told me I filed 700 plus applications. He said it's been two years that I'm looking for a job in my field. And I couldn't get one. Why are you trying to blame everything? He blamed white people. He blamed black people. He even blamed the church. <laughs> and I took the time to listen to him. And I said, let me share with you a secret. I've been where you are. 
and I know how to get out. I said, do you want to know? He kept talking, and talking, and talking, so I got quiet. Because two of us cannot be talking at the same time. And he never answered my question, do you want to know? So I left him alone. But this year he came back to me. And he said the same thing all over again. I asked him the same question. Do you want to know how to get out? This time he said yes. So I'm going to tell you exactly the same thing I told him. Now, if you're not in a bind, you don't have to worry about it. Sacrificial giving is when you're facing a deadlock. You're facing a deadline. If God don't do it, nobody can do it. Then you need to up your game to what we call sacrificial giving. What is sacrificial giving? I'll tell you and I'll pray for you. Sacrificial giving is simply a sacrifice. You see, that's all. Honestly, that's all. But because of understanding, I'll break it down even further. See, in my kind of job, the way we think, I have a lot of lawyers in the house. Lawyers don't speak English. I know that may surprise you. What we speak is we call the elements of a case. So we don't care how eloquent you are. Have you proven every element of this case? Say, for example, if you charge somebody with battery, battery has four elements. And you don't go there and be preaching a sermon. We are not impressed by your eloquence. But you have to prove that somebody has touched somebody. There must be a touching. And that touching must be offensive. And that touching must cause injury. And that touching must be without consent. So the way we think, any court, we just want you to show up and say, Your Honor, when Julio spit on my face, he touched me with his spit. I would say, okay, check mark. Then you have to keep on proving your case and say, Your Honor, that spit on my face was offensive. I am mad about it. I don't like people spitting on my face. Check mark. And then you have to keep on proving your case and say, Your Honor, and since he spit on my case, my eyes, I can't see no more. Injury. Check mark. And then you say, Your Honor, and by the way, I did not consent for Julio to spit on my face. And then you say, Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, 
arrest my kids. See how we think? So we don't speak. No, 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 no. Not in the courthouse. You prove your case. So in the spirit, the same thing applies. It's applicable. There is a court of heaven. <laughs> Jesus. God himself is presiding. How do you prove that you have sacrificial giving? A sacrifice, number one, is a seed. What did I call it? Number two, a sacrifice is something that has precious cost to it. It's not just uh, I'm giving some of my salary or, I'm, or I brought $20 with me. I brought $100 or whatever, $2. That has no precious cost. A precious cost is when you give everything you got. A precious cost is when you give something that you know this is going to cost you. This is going to hurt you. By the way, there's a brother by the name David. He never give to God unless it's a sacrificial gift. In your Bible said, I will give to God nothing that won't cost me. That's a sacrificial giving. You feel the pain. Even before you let go, you know this is a sacrifice. And number three, you have to place that seed, that costly seed, at the altar of Almighty God. If that seed is not placed at the altar of God, it's not a sacrifice. See, the Baptist, Pastor Hall, the Baptist, bless their heart, <laughs> they'll be singing, is your all on the altar of sacrifice is laid. They sing it, but they have no understanding. And most of them die poor. See the problem with God? You find a seed with a precious cost to you and you put it at the altar of Almighty God. And finally, one more element. You put it at the altar for a desired return. You just don't put your seed at the altar of God and you never say nothing. Will you believe 98% of you who gives and you're about to give this morning, you never tell God anything about your giving. <laughs> you give because it is natural. You know, you go to a nightclub, you give. We just call it ticket. We call it, <laughs> see, if you don't buy a ticket, you cannot see Cook Franklin. 
Beyonce is in town and you want to see her so that she can shake. But it's going to cost you. The world even understand biblical principle. They make each of you pay hundred dollars. That's cheap seat, by the way. <laughs> Five hundred, a thousand dollars. They don't call it offering. They call it your ticket, and the ticket master is waiting to collect. In the, in the kingdom of God, we don't sell tickets. But nobody knows like you know what hell you're going through. That's when you will say, no, yes, I'm a tighter, but no, I'm not coming here today with $10 offer. My case is different. Then you get your seed, point one. That seed is of precious cost, point two. And then you lay that seed at the altar of Almighty God. When you put it in that offering plate, it's nothing like everybody else. You're not everybody else. And then you tell God, your desired result. See, I want my child out of jail. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't understand all the legal jargon, all the charges against him. But that's my only child. I want him out. And then watch God. The Bible says there are some things that are impossible with men. <laughs> but with God, all things are possible. So you lay at the altar and you go to sleep. Now, I don't know if somebody's here today you're dealing with that kind of situation. And you are sick and tired of being sick and tired. I just showed you a way out. It's up to you. You don't even have to be in a bind. The last time I find myself in this kind of, have you ever, there's some giving that you can't even tell nobody about it. Not even your wife. Because you know if you tell her, she's going to slap you. Oh, glory. I want you as God wants you. He wish above all that you prosper. Did you hear what I said? He wish above all that every one of you, from the pulpit to the pew, that you prosper. You know what it means to prosper? Nothing missing, nothing broken, wholeness. That's the will of God for you. And I'm sure that's, the, that's your will 
your wish for every one of your children. So let's gain access. It's up to you. Analyze your situation. You don't need to tell the pastor about it. Pastor, I'm giving this. I'm, no, no, no. I don't need to know. I got my own problem. How do you think I got here? <laughs> Sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. And you cross the bridge. You know what is so good? Once heaven opened door, when God opened door for you, everyone connected with you can go through. Your whole house, your children, your children's children, everybody will cross the bridge. The Africans put, oh, I need to stop. It's too much revelation to consume in one day. The Africans put it this way, they can see me. They said, if there's inflation, if there's recession, if the economy is horrible, and the only food available is in a peanut shell. You ever seen a peanut? It has a shell. The Africans say, when things are that bad, some people will still be well fed. It's a choice that each of us can make. If you want to continue to tip God, fine with me. That's your choice. The only thing I ask of you, don't be jealous of some of us who are crazy enough to believe what God said and take him at his word and we'll step out of the boat and we'll find ourselves walking on water. So if you're not willing to do that, I get it. Stay where you are. Maybe it's working for you. Maybe being afraid is good enough. But where I come from, the whole kingdom is depending on me. I cannot be afraid. Are you listening to me? I got to tap into the super natural, super or my natural equals more than enough. I want you all to come up. There's plenty of space at the top. I see you. Uh, Brother Michael here. Your pastor was trying to get an aeroplane. Creflo dollar. $65 million dollars testify about my last sacrificial giving. Not to brag, but to give God the glory. And he said, this is what I'm trying to do. I want to be able to move from place to place to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I need your help. And he said, everyone at a minimum $10,000. My pan was shaking. I almost pee on myself. First, I didn't have the money. 
And second, if I tell my wife I'm in trouble, and third, I know it's going to hurt. But every now and then, the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and say, this is your opportunity to cross the bridge. Once you hear from God, confess with no flesh and blood. I see every one of you at the top. That's where you belong. I've been saying it for years. Some people get it, but some people don't. Let's pray. I see the ocean ready to do their job. Whether it's your tithes, whether it's your offering, whether it's your first fruit, whether it's your substance, your increase, whether it's sacrificial giving, it's up to you. Tell your neighbor I get it. I might not even preach again. I, I, I preach already. <laughs> Lord, I thank you. Your word is so true. Grass will wither, flowers will fade but your word stands. Lord, I thank you that you have Abraham as our example. Abraham put everything on the line. His only son, Isaac, he took it to Moriah, ready to kill him. It was painful. It was a sacrifice. But yet, at the end of the day, your name is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord God provide. Lord, I pray that you would touch the hearts of men and women. This is not Beyonce's concert. This is not Cook Franklin in town. This is an encounter with Almighty God. Help our understanding. Lord, I thank you for increase in the life of every giver. Press down. Shake it together. Running over anointing in this house. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers will come. Let's give as the Lord leads you.
me thank God for our children. Come on, we can do better than that. I want to say congratulations to Pastor Reed and his lovely wife. The Lord blessed them yesterday and they are officially married. Amen. To God be the glory. If you have your Bible with you, will you please stand with me for the reading of the Word of God? Open your Bible to a familiar scripture Joshua chapter 24. Verse number 15. The book of Joshua. Chapter 24. Verse 15. Thanks to all of our parking lot staff. And all of our greeters. Our health. Ministry. Personnel. All of the ushers. All these precious children singing. Amen. They dress good, they sing good, they sound good. To God be the glory. Let's pray first. Father God, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this house. Thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha. Our God who healeth. Father, I place under your watch care, under your diagnosis and treatment, anyone under the weather, anyone dealing with any form of sickness, and disease. We believe your word. You've proven yourself to us before and you can do it again. You were wounded for our transgression. You were bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon you. By your strife we're healed. You sent your word and you healed the people. Lord, I pray from east to west, from north to south, everyone connected with this ministry. You said you received not because you never asked. I asked for complete healing. I asked for restoration, Lord. I cover the members of this congregation with the blood of Jesus. By faith, we decree and we declare all is well. It is so. In Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bible to the book of Joshua. Chapter 24. Verse 15. 
The Bible said, and if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose. Take note of that word. That's what I'm going to be preaching to you today. It's time for you and me to choose. He said, choose ye this day whom you're going to serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're not dwelling. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's truth concerning you and your family. Say amen. amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word. Help your servant to proclaim it. Touch somebody this morning. Reveal yourself to us in a very special way. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk with you for a few minutes on the subject titled, The Power of Your Choice. What did I call it? The Power of Your Choice. The passage I just read to your hearing it's all about choice. Making a choice. You know the history of the Israelites. They were in Egypt land. And they were slaves for many years. Eventually God set them free. And notice that when God set them free, Moses was their pastor. Moses was leading the truth. And they were heading to the promised land. Somewhere during the journey, Moses gathered all of them. And in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 19, guess what Moses told them? He said, I said before you this day, life and death, blessings and curses. Then he told them, you have to choose. It's all about choice. Then Moses died. Then here comes a new leader by the name of Joshua. And just like Moses, Joshua took the people to a place called Shechem. Just like we have Alexandria. Just like we have Lacamp, Carfax, Pineville. He took the people to a place called Shechem. And there, by the way, Shechem is a very important city. 
important location. Why? Because at Shechem, that's where Abraham resided when he came from his town. He's from the city of Ur, a little town, when God called him and said, I want you to go to a place where I will show you. Where was that place that God showed him? It was Shechem. All right? It's the same place where Jacob bought his land. So it's an important location. It's also the same place where Joseph, you know, Joseph was in Egypt. And when Joseph died, he refused to be buried in Egypt. So they brought his bones and buried his bones where? At Shechem, the same location. So it's not just a town. It's a very special place. So Joshua brought all the people there. And at Shechem, there are two mountains. One mountain on the right, another mountain on the left. And Joshua said six tribes on one mountain. And then he set up another six tribes on the other mountain. And Joshua began to speak to the people. And he revealed all the history of Israel. And he reminded them all the miracles that God has wrought to bless them, to help them along the way. Then he said to them, now we are at a point that we have to make a choice. He said, you need to choose whether you're going to be worshiping all those idols, all those foreign gods. But Joshua said, as for me, in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Again, you see this subject of choice. When Elijah was among Carmel, he told the people, he said, if Baal, the goddess of Baal, is your God, say, servant. If Lord Jehovah, it's the real deal, serving. But you cannot have it both ways. Say so you got to choose. What is the message? The message is simple. In life, if you're going to live on this planet, you're going to make choices along the way. Am I right about it? What is choice is basically you making a decision along the way. This morning you make a decision as to what you're going to wear. Amen. Same thing with me. I was going to wear a dark suit. Then I look at my wife. I saw what she's wearing. So I say, well, let me see if I can. Then I make a different choice. So life is full of choices.
Let me also go further to tell you that the choices that you make, the choices that I make, will always produce consequence. Am I right about it? And there are right choices, and there are wrong choices. There are right decisions, and there are wrong decisions. Even young people all over the building listen to pastors. In the word of God, there's what we call age of accountability. Once you get to eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old, God holds you accountable for your actions. So you can say this is for young, uh, for old people to make decisions. You are held accountable for your choice. Say, for example, you know in our community right now, people are acting a little crazy, you know. So if you choose to shoot somebody, there's a consequence. She's right, woman of God. All what you hear about on radio and television is somebody making a choice, making a decision, and the Lord just sent me to remind you there are consequences for your action. So if you choose to be involved in sex while you're only a preteen and you get pregnant, hey, don't turn me up. There are consequences. If you choose to be gay, there are consequences. You choose to be a lesbian. Hey, I said, don't turn me up. <laughs> you know the Lord saved me. There are consequences for our decision. If you decide to take somebody's life, whether you call it drive-by or drug shooting or whatever you can describe, you can label it all you want. If you decide to take somebody's life, there is a consequence for your action for mine. If you don't believe me, when you get to heaven, ask Adam and Eve. God put them in the garden. God told them the do's and don'ts. And they make a choice. And their choice produces serious consequence. Because God told them, the day you do this, you will surely die. Are you still here? I'm talking about the power of your choice. A rich young ruler came to Jesus one day. Say, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus told him what he needs to do. Say, sell everything you got. Come back and follow me. The Bible said the guy began to cry. <laughs> he 
was grieved. He was crying. Well, to cut the story short, he made the choice of staying with his money. That's a choice. We all are called to make choices in life. Why is this thing called choice so important? What is the big deal about making a decision? Why is there so much emphasis on decision making? Well, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, your destiny is defined by the kind and quality of the choices you make. Did you hear what I said? Your destiny, your future is decided by the kind and quality of the choices that you make. Your destiny is determined not by the will of God only. This is where church folks miss it. They just assume whatever is going on in their life, that's the will of God. But your destiny is determined not only by the will of God, but by the choices you make in life. And then you need to know how life works. The moment you make a choice, the moment you make a decision, you automatically activate the consequence. Ladies and gentlemen, please listen to your pastor. Poverty is a consequence of a choice. Not many people can handle that. People will say, I was born in it. I didn't make no decision where somebody did. I found myself in poverty earlier in my life. But that poverty is a consequence of somebody's choice. Even failure in life is a consequence. If you find yourself in mediocrity, it's a consequence. A life that doesn't carry beauty and color It's a consequence of choices we made. Just think about it. As powerful as God really is, yet there are some people that's going to hell. You know God is powerful. You know he can do anything. But why are some people still going to hell? Because it is the choice they make. And choices have consequence. Tell somebody I got it now. So as good as God is, some people are still making a big mess out of their life. Because of the choices and consequence of their choice. 
As good as God is, he loves everybody. But guess what? There are some people who are rich, but there's some people who will die poor. Choices. One of the things I have to deal with when I was growing up, the Lord had to teach me some things, you know. I was in a country, and they told us in school, true story, that our country is a third world. That's what they told us in school. So now I'm trying to figure out, okay, if we are third world, who is second world? And if they are second world, who is first world? That's when I found out about USA. I was told as a little kid, as a little boy, that America is first world and that Africa is third world. I said, something ain't right. <laughs> I had enough understanding of the word of God. That if God is a good God, why are we three and somebody's one? That's when God began to teach me about this principle of the choices that you make in life. God loves everybody. But your decisions, your choices can mess you up. And you'll see here, my message to you is that we do make decisions, we do make choices, and our choices affect our destiny. So whether your life will be colorful, impactful, and glorious, it all depends in part by the choices you make. Whether your destiny will be full of shame and pain and regrets, it all depends on the choices you make in life. It is up to you, brothers and sisters, that you get in partnership with God. The Bible talks about Paul planting, Apollo watering, God granting the increase. It's a partnership with God. You can either choose to live a life that will shine, or you can choose to live a life that is full of gloom and doom. It's up to you. My assignment is to help these young people that while you are eight years, while you are 10 years, while you are 13 years, you can make a choice that you're not going to be involved in drugs, that you're not going to be involved in gangs, that you're not going to be involved in taking nobody's life, shooting in the neighborhood. It's a choice. I know we like to blame the police. I know we like to blame the government, blame the mayor, blame the school board. Sometimes we even blame the parents. But at the end of the day, 
is a choice. The problem, you know, brothers and sisters, most Christians don't even know that they play an active role in their own future. The church messed us up, making us think it's totally up to God. As if God makes some people rich, and God so mean makes some people poor. No, God is a good God. Our choices has a lot to do with our future. So when you see a Christian that fold their arms and waiting on God to do everything for them, they won't get a job. They won't pursue their dreams. They won't even dream. They say, God has already programmed my life. It's a deception of the enemy. You know what I'm trying to tell you? There is no luck in the kingdom of God. I hate to tell you, brothers and sisters, your, the next 10 years of your life, like right now, I'm 64 years old. Some of you are 50 years. Some of you are 40. Some of you are 30. The next 30 years of your life, the next 10 years of your life, it's not going to be determined by God only. You have something to do. Are you all see here? So the choice that you make is very, very important. Take note. Now that you know that your decision determines your destiny, then we have to teach you how to make the right choices. Can you handle this? The Bible, ladies and gentlemen, talk about hearers and doers. My prayer for you is that you would not just be hearers, but you be doers. If you look over your life, true story, I bet every one of you can identify somebody that you all grew up together in the neighborhood. But somewhere along the way, he or she was left behind. The same mess that we all grew up with, they're still carrying it around. I've got a truckload of people like that. Sometimes I cannot even answer some of their call. Because always, give me, give me, give me. We went to the same nurseries, same day school, same elementary school, same high school. But because of their choices, can you all handle the truth today? Ladies and gentlemen, too many people are still carrying the same failure, the same foolishness that we all grew up with. But at some point, you have to make a decision. 
I can do better than this. It's a choice. Time is a gift and it doesn't wait for nobody. Did you hear what I said? So we have only so much time to make a decision. The Bible put it this way in John chapter 9, verse 4. He said, I must work the work of God while it is day. You know why? Because the night cometh. <laughs> when nobody will be able to work. Lay hand on yourself right now as we speak. Say, Father, I receive the grace to begin to make the right decisions for my life, for my family, for my children. Say, Father, lay hand on your own self. Say, Father, I receive the grace to begin to make the right decisions for my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, church. Everybody you see doing very well, none of them stumble into it. Don't let nobody fool you. Success in life is not an accident. You don't stumble into success. You make choices. You dream. You have a vision. I was invited not too long ago to speak to a, a bunch of young people in a high school. And all my white brothers and sisters, they say, where does this wisdom come from? I say, it is the word of God. And I look every one of those kids in the face. All of you can succeed. It don't matter who is in government, Democrat or Republican. They don't decide. Oh, goodness gracious. Nobody can decide your future. It is between you and God. Ladies and gentlemen, greatness is not a gift. It is a reward of making the right decision, making the right choices. So if you see somebody great, don't say, wow, God gave him a gift. To be. No, 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 no. I was in a church a few days ago and and one of our elected officials noted we were late, actually, and I regret to mention that uh, the right Reverend Tenney was driving. <laughs> no, true story. I was not even on the program. So we got there, and I said to Reb, I said, Reb, no, God is my witness. You can talk to him. So I said, Reb, I don't want to distract everybody. So you go in first. <laughs> Find me a place to sit down. So I can rush there 
and lie low. Grace said, I got it. He's like a military general. So he walked in, and I stayed at the back. And then after a while, he came back and said, Ray, follow me. So and I was obedient. I followed him, and I sat down where he put me. I don't know what else is going on, so I tried to blend him. But there's a white brother there. He noticed something. He said, everybody that walked by wants to shake my hand. He said, well, who are you? Here's me, I'm trying to lie low so nobody will even know. It's called Citywide Revival. I listen to your pastor. Greatness is not a gift from God. It's a reward of choices you make. You want to know the gift that God gives to you and me? He gives us time. <laughs> he gives us the word of God. Can you handle the truth? He gave us the Holy Spirit. You have to work. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. You have to work. The more I try to hide. I never met the speaker in my life. After church, he sent for me. I don't know how he got my number. God is my witness. I was trying to hide so much, I told Rev, once the church is over, they ask all the preachers to come to the back and eat and fellowship. I said, no. I said, once the church is over, get me in that car and let's get out of town as fast. Because I don't want no attention to myself. True story. The preacher said, no. I heard you're gone, but I got your number. I want to know you. I've heard so much about you. What is it that will make people applaud you in life? Your choices. Your decisions. See, what I'm sharing with you now is from the bottom of my, if I don't care for you, I will lie low. Life is too precious for you and me to be ordinary. The Bible says you are the light of this world. A city set on a hill you cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine among men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, I got to hurry up because I have another church coming up. I'm going to tell you five decisions you need to make. If you make these decisions, you are destined to be the envy of this world. Isaac became the envy 
of the Philistine. The Bible said he sold in the midst of famine. He went home with a hundredfold return. He became the envy. That's your Bible. There's a way to do it. It's available for everyone, not for small few. Five quick decisions you need to make. Where's Julian? You listen, son? You might be the only one that God sent me to. That young man, pay attention to what I have to say. When you're hungry, you will be fed. That's the word of God. Hallelujah. Number one, ladies and gentlemen, what do I need to do? Get serious with God. What did I say you need to do? That will scale you into the utmost high. When I say get serious with God, that means you need to do better reading the word of God, studying the word of God. You need to do better in your prayer life. You need to do better in fasting and hanging out with God, you need to do better in your worship. Look at somebody next to you and say, this year, decide to get serious with God. I just gave you a million dollar advice. Number two, Be transformed in your mind. You know how the book says in Romans 12, verse 2, be not conformed to this world. The problem with many of us, we are too busy listening to the world. You cannot do this. You're a woman. You cannot do that. You're black. You cannot do this. You're a foreigner. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't. And they plaster social media, and plaster your television, and cover your telephone with what you cannot do. Who are these people? But you can decide today, like the Bible says, be ye transformed. Young people, what you need to do is to make sure your mind is not colored with all those junk Everything that you've been told that is not of God, you can tell yourself. You, this, the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit will tell you, no, they're lying. That's not true. Renew your mind. Amen, somebody. Don't let nobody call you because you're black. Don't let nobody say because you're a woman. Don't let nobody say because you're not from here. Because... Is a lying devil trying to rob you. They came, <laughs> I have to plant these things in my children's head. Every time they come home, I don't give the easy mama said, No, mama is wrong. Bring your Bible, open it to this page. You smile, read it for yourself. 
What did God say? Then I said, that's what you need to live by. Where my teacher said, son, teacher is wrong. Bring your Bible. Open it to this page. Read it for yourself. You got brains? Renew your mind. The Bible says, whatsoever are true, whatsoever are lovely, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think, uh, occupy your, your brain with this thing. All of a sudden, you will see yourself flying and soaring like an eagle. Leave all the flamingos behind. Renew your mind. You see, I am amazed how stinking my thinking is. They have planted so much mess in my head. I have to start step by step. Renew my, my mind with what does says the Lord. Even best of friends, I say, ah, no, no, I'm not going with you on that. When you know better, you do better. Number three, make sure you are exceptionally valuable. In whatever you are, whatever you do, make yourself valuable. God is looking for somebody of value. The world is looking for somebody of value. Nobody likes people who is ordinary. Nobody clap for ordinary or mediocrity. They want you to be exceptional. When you are valuable, then ain't nobody can get rid of you. Because you are a valuable player. And when the game, oh, when the game is on the line, the world is looking. Where is Michael Jordan? Who can carry the ball? When the whole game is on the line. Make yourself exceptionally valuable. That will put you out of the realm of jealousy. That will put you out of the realm of envy. That will put you out of the realm of competition. You have no competition. Because you are the best at your game. You don't have to worry about, okay, this person talking about you, and that one is, is um, eh, eh. <laughs> Eagles fly alone. They are flying so high, if you see anybody high up there, it's another eagle. That's what I share with you. I say, let this church be a place of excellence. If you do what you do with excellence, you usher with excellence, you play piano with excellence, you play guitar with excellence, you do your deaconship with everything you do, you do it with excellence, then you become the envy. 
of the world. You don't have to worry about somebody is jealous of you. Somebody is talking about you. Um, every now and then my children will come home, Sister Dickiness, and say, uh, I heard this about you. I say, shut up. <laughs> come on, people, let's go. <laughs> the Bible says, take dominion. You're not a pigeon. You're made to fly like an eagle. Let me say two more things and let you go. Number four, develop what I call destiny relationship. What do I mean? You need, if I ask you today, can you give me five names of people in your life? That you know when they're going to get tough, they'll be there for you. Destiny relationship. You're talking to everybody. They don't want a dime. They know it, you know it. But you're wasting your destiny. Find you people that can push you into your destiny. We call them destiny helpers. Everybody need help. Your pastor need help. You need help. There are people that God has positioned to push you to, 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 to recognize your value. Destiny relationship. Ladies and gentlemen, whose shoulder can you rest when the going get tough? See, some of you have to think. You know why? Because you never put much thought to it. A lot of people you call your friends right now, I thank God for a delete button on the computer. Yeah. Hit delete. Yeah. Delete. Say my pastor say delete. You know Jesus is our best example. Oh, I got to stop. Jesus, you know, had 70 people. Then had 12 people. You see how he's narrowing the list? Then he had three people. Then he had one. <laughs> That's all I'm teaching you. Develop destiny relationship. That you know there are some people in your life they got your back. They'll be the you see some of these brothers that you see here, believe it or not, they've been working for me, with me. For 20 years. You ought to see them as musicians. <laughs> Are you listening to me? I don't see them as musicians. <laughs> Jesus said, before now, I call you servants. He said, but now. <laughs> 
all I'm doing is explaining the word of God. He said, you are my friend. It's a relationship. Who is in your life? Try to help somebody. What's the first assignment? Get serious with God. What's the second assignment? Renew your mind. By the way, when we talk about renew your mind, that's where your reading takes place. That's where what you watch on TV takes place. That's where, I mean, what you feed your mind with. There are some films, some movies I never watch. Even if you make it free, I won't show up. Because I love me too much. What is it that you're eating? Because you're what you eat. One more thing before I let you go. Number five. Make a decision to be empowered. I'm talking about supernatural power now. The world operates by intellect. But your intellect can only go so far. The world is looking for somebody who can solve world problem where everybody stop. The person with supernatural power will keep rolling. You shall receive power. <laughs> when? After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We need that power. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 put it this way. How God anointed Jesus with Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing everyone, that's right, Reverend, everyone that is oppressed of the devil. When you are anointed, when you are empowered, when you walk in the room, every demon begins to tremble. <laughs> there is power, power, wonder-walking power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-walking power in the precious blood. Stand up to your feet. You need that power. I need that power. God wants to give us. He wants you to operate. Beyond your intellect, ability to dislog the power of the devil. You need that. I need that. All of us need that. All minds clear. Lift your hands towards heaven. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to explain your word. 
thank you for the privilege to make decisions, to make choices. I lift up every one of our young people. Holy Spirit, help them to make the right choices in life. Some of us, we look back over our life and so much regrets, so many bad calls. It's only your grace and mercy that sustain us. Lord, I pray I cover these young people from making wrong choices in life. With long life, you will satisfy us and show us your salvation. We cannot live long life when we indulge criminal activities in using drugs illicit sex doing crazy things in the community young people in jail valuable life messed up for years father we need your help help our mindset Cleanse our thinking, oh God. Wash us with your blood. And not just the young folks, even the adults, Lord. Help us to make the right choices in life. Right choices for our life. Right choices for our family. Right choices for our children. Lord, without you, we can do absolutely nothing. We need divine empowerment. Forgive us, oh God, for every wrong decision we have made in the past. Lord, we thank you that you are God of another chance. And we receive a rightful place right now. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. amen. Open your mouth, shout amen. It is so. In Jesus' name. I want to thank you for being in church this morning. If you're here, you're looking for a church home. After the benediction, I invite you to please come forward. I want to celebrate you and welcome you as a new member of this congregation. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, I pray that he will rest and abide with you from now on and forevermore. And the church said, Amen. God bless you.